0: This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California for December 10th, 2023. The title of the message is The Son of Abraham. Well, we come now to that part of the service in which we open God's Word uh, as we've been expressing our praise and offering up our prayers, the Lord responds um, to, to us through his word that we might hear his voice. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 21, we continue in our Advent series on the giving of a son. Last week we looked at the son of the woman from Genesis 3:15 and we see the theme continuing on throughout the scriptures uh, even in here in Genesis in the giving of another son uh, and in that in that promise and the giving of that son we see uh, the christmas story in seed form Genesis chapter 21 the first 7 verses if you don't have a bible or you have a different translation you can follow along with me in the bulletin or the slide behind me before we hear god's word let's uh, let's go to the lord in prayer and let's ask for his help our father lord we come expecting to hear your voice as we hear it by faith lord help us to savor and to hang upon your every word that it would indeed be an act of worship and an act of faith so that we would testify to ourselves and to one another and to the world that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. We ask, O Lord, in the hearing of it and for me in the preaching of it, may your people be blessed and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. As God had commanded him, Abraham was a 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is the word of the Lord. A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amen. Andy Williams' classic Christmas song captures why most of us love this time of the year. Uh, He sings this. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle-belling and everyone telling, you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. I appreciate that last reference to the glories of Christmases long, long ago because I think he's making a reference uh, to the very first christmas uh, 2000 years ago in that small town in bethlehem born in a major in the giving of god's one and only son the lord jesus christ but i think this could also include if you think of it from a biblical point of view it can also include the joy of christmases going way back even in the Old Testament, long, long ago, even from Genesis 3.15, and what we're gonna see here as well in Genesis 21, that whenever God promises the giving of a son, and in this case, the promise of a one and only son, that it is a, glory, a tale of the glory of Christmas long, long ago. And it didn't just begin with the birth of a one and only son to Joseph and Mary, but also to the birth of Isaac, to Abraham and Sarah. So this morning, I want us to consider the joy of Christmas that comes in the joy of our salvation through the giving of a one and only son. This is part of the tale of that glory of Christmas so what does this joy, the joy of Christmas and the giving of uh, one and only son include? Well, first, it includes, at the very least, the joy of knowing God's faithfulness in our lives. It's the joy of knowing that God keeps his promises. Look at verse one. This is why uh, Moses wrote here in Genesis uh, 21, uh, he began this verse, he says, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. See, the Lord keeps his word. He is faithful to his promises. And this, this is a short summary of a reference that goes back to all the times that God promised to bless Abraham and to make his descendants into a great nation for whom all the nations of the world would be blessed and that they would bless him. He promised that through him uh, in Genesis 12 and 15 that his descendants would outnumber the sand of the sea and the the stars in the sky. And he sealed that promise with a covenant and bound himself to fulfill it in the giving of a son. And all the promises of God to Abraham will come in and through this son, this seed, so to speak, who would be born in their old age. Right? Look at verse 5, right? It says Abraham was 100 years old, which makes Sarah 90 years old when they had Isaac. And what that means is that, that God's faithfulness is accomplished in spite of all the odds. In other words, God's faithfulness works even when it seems impossible for, for us, from our point of view. But with, God, with us, things may be impossible, with, but with God, all things are absolutely possible. In fact, that's exactly what happened. The book of Hebrews, looking back on this time, says in that wonderful chapter on the heroes of the faith in chapter 11, Uh, talks about how through Abraham, who was as good as dead, uh, would be the father of of many nations, that through him would come the descendants uh, of Israel. And for Sarah, who was barren in her old age, would give birth to a son. You see, the joy of Christmas is the joy of knowing that God is faithful in keeping his promises. And if he keeps that one promise, we know that he will keep all of his promises. And so this means that we need to learn the joy of trusting in God by waiting on him. This is an essential component and an essential aspect of our faith. It's not just trusting in God to save us. But trusting in God to save us in his own time, in his appointed manner. This means that we have to be patient and wait on the Lord. This, we see this throughout the scriptures. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Uh, Psalm 46:10, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 27:14, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. See, faith is trusting in God's faithfulness, not just in the promise, but in the waiting for it, in the timing of it. Waiting then teaches us to be dependent on the Lord rather than feeling entitled to his provision. Right? it's, it's, It's God's way of saying, Trust me, wait. And in the waiting, your faith will grow. In the waiting, your faith will deepen. In the waiting, you will understand that my timing is better than your timing. When you want it now, may not be the best time for you to have it. And so I will give it to you when, in God's infinite wisdom, will give it to you when it's right for you. And this is why we can be impatient with God when God doesn't answer our prayers immediately or when we want it, right? Unless we're a little bit like Veruca Salt in that 70s uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory where she wants the world and I want, she says, I want it now. Uh, the world wants us to experience instant gratification, but God wants us to grow in our faith by waiting. And so it protects us from spiritual entitlement as if God is obligated to answer our prayers on our terms rather than on his terms and in his good timing. Uh, Waiting also teaches us the deeper joy then of delayed satisfaction. That we learn to trust the Lord in a deeper way because we have to trust him in his timing. Waiting also encourages us to grow in our spiritual longing for God in his wonderful grace. Right? This is why patience is one of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. It creates and nurtures and grows in us a hope and a longing for something. The more joy we get then when we've waited for it and then receive it. There's that kind of building up, a growing of a savor for it, a taste for it, a hunger for it. And this is why our children, for example, they can't go to bed on Christmas Eve because they're so excited to open their gifts Christmas morning. This is why parents shed tears of joy after waiting nine seemingly, uh, uh, nine months that seemed forever for, for them to see the birth of their baby and uh, to hold him or her in their arms. The joy is in the waiting there. This is why a groom can't contain himself or or a bride can't contain herself when after months, even years, they see each other walking down the aisle, coming towards one another. Because the deeper the wait, the deeper the joy, the greater the longing, the greater the joy. James summarizes it this way in James 5, 7 to 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. When we trust in God's faithfulness, We are trusting as we wait so that the joy might be all the more greater and deeper. His faithfulness then also leads us to see his fulfillment in that promise. And this brings us to my second point. The joy of Christmas also includes then not only God's faithfulness, but in in God's faithfulness in the giving of a promised son. God's faithfulness to Abraham and Sarah and throughout all of redemptive history comes through the giving of a promised son, a son of promise. This promised son is conceived by God's power. As I'd mentioned earlier, Abraham and Sarah were way past childbearing age. It would have been humanly impossible for them, but possible for God. Look at verse 2. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken. Earlier in chapter, uh, just before this section, uh, in chapter 11, verse 30, Moses tells us that Sarah Sarah is completely barren. And that's why when the angels and when the Lord uh, told her that she would give birth to a son, she completely left because it was outside the realm of possibility from her point of view. And that kind of points us to, later on, the, the, the laughter of cynicism and the laughter of joy. And I'll touch on that in a moment. But this points us, then, to the miraculous way that God will fulfill his promise of a son. Uh, we see this in Rachel, who was barren but gave birth to Joseph, who would save Israel from famine. In Hannah, who pleaded with God to give her a son, so God gave her Samuel, the prophet who would anoint the son of David. Uh, David. And in Isaiah, who prophesied, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah seven fourteen. All of this is fulfilled in Mary, a virgin who by the Holy Spirit conceives and gives birth to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the word become flesh, the fullness of deity dwelling bodily. He's not only conceived by God's power, but as we see, he's the one and only son. Isaac is the one and only son of Abraham, born of Sarah, born of a woman. Right? This means that he is a true son of Abraham, the true seed through his flesh and blood he will continue and, and be, bring, be on the way to bringing fulfillment, God's promises to Abraham. And this also means he is Abraham's one and only son, his most precious son. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, in the ancient Near East, the most precious possession that any father, any parent could have is a son, let alone one, a one and only son. That the hopes and dreams are all laid upon that one and only son. And so if anything happened to him, that family line, the family um, status and place in the world is completely gone. If anything were to happen to that son. And so you begin to see the importance of Isaac as a one and only son to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, He is also a covenant son of Abraham. Abraham because he receives the covenant sign of circumcision and that's what we see in verse four, right? It, it shows that, that God's covenant with Abraham continues, as being fulfilled on one level and continues uh, through Isaac and the sign is his circumcision. And through Isaac, Jacob will be born who gives birth to the sons of Israel through whom the tribes of Israel all descend. And from Israel comes the house of David, from whom would come the Messiah, the Savior. And this covenant lineage, beginning with Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Israel, Mm -hmm. David, is fulfilled then in Christ. This is why we see the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, who is called the son of David, and guess what? The son of Abraham. Isaac's birth points us to the promise of Jesus' birth as the one and only true son of Abraham through whom all the nations would be blessed, whom God's covenant promises will be fulfilled. And Isaac is not only then a true son, an only son, and a covenant son, but he will also be a sacrificial son of Abraham. Later on in Genesis 22, God is going to tell Abraham to go up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice, offer him as a burnt sacrifice uh, of his one and only son. God says this to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And as they went up the mountain, Isaiah carried the wood for the fire. And he said said this to Abraham, my father, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham replied, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. You see, God was testing Abraham's faith. He was testing him to see if he trusted God more than he trusted Isaac for his earthly joy. This is important because I think God wanted to teach Abraham a very important lesson that we all need to learn. That we can very easily love the gift more than the giver. It's so easy to turn a good thing into an ultimate thing and make it an idol in our lives. This is a very poignant lesson for us as parents. It means finding our identity, our happiness, and our joy not in our children but in God. And so God is testing Abraham and Sarah who had waited for so long. They had been been barren for the hundred years up to this point in Genesis. They couldn't have children and that's why Sarah had Abraham have a child with Hagar and then Ishmael was born. Because they're trying to make a child rather than waiting upon God to be faithful in giving a child uh, to Abraham and Sarah. And so when God finally gave Abraham and Sarah Isaac, it would have been so easy then to dote on him, to spoil him, uh, to... Uh, indulge him and because he, he could have been turned into an idol. To, to love Isaac more than to love God. To worship him more than to worship God. See, for us as parents, there are two pitfalls in making our children into idols. We can over-discipline them because we want them to be, to be perfect, or we can underdiscipline them because we can't bear them to resent us. We can over-indulge them so they think that they can get away with anything, even murder, or over-control them because we don't want them to disappoint us. But if God's love and our identity in Christ was at the center of who we are, then we could love our children for who they are, their flaws and imperfections. Even in their disobedience, we can teach them the grace of forgiveness and the love, the unconditional love of a parent. And then we would discipline them because we love God more than we fear their resentment. And we would not over control them because we can accept our kids just as God in Christ through his grace has accepted us. Tim Keller puts it this way, that we have to put our Isaacs on the altar and give God the central place in our lives. See, That's what God is doing here with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, that he's telling them to sacrifice Isaac, as the idol in his heart, so that Jesus, God can have all the, the, the control. God can have the central place in Abraham and Sarah's heart. And this brings us then to my last point. The joy of Christmas means rejoicing, not only in God's faithfulness, uh, not only in the giving of a promised son, but in the bringing of a promised salvation. God's faithfulness is fulfilled in the giving of the true son of Abraham, where all the promises are yes and amen in Christ. This means then that every promise of a son, a true son, a one and only son, a covenant son, a sacrificial son is fulfilled in God the Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true son of Abraham born of a woman, conceived by God through the Holy Spirit, who is both God and man, who came to fulfill God's covenant promise that like Abraham, if we believe in him, our faith is counted to us as righteousness. He is the promised son of Abraham through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed with salvation. He is the true Isaac who carried the wood of the cross up the mountain of Mount Calvary, and there wasn't a lamb in the thicket to take his place because he was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who took our sin, took our place, and turned away the wrath of God as he experienced the the propitiation of God. And now in the birth of Christ, we can look to the cross and say to God, right? I mean, uh, as God saw Abraham willing to sacrifice Isaac, uh, Abraham, God said to Abraham, now I know you love me because you did not withhold your one and only son from me, right? It was a test of love as well. And he did that then so that thousands of years later when God sends his one and only son we would all know now we know that god loves us because he did not withhold his one and only son from us so that we might be saved romans 8:32 says this about god's love he who did not spare his one and only son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things friends brothers and sisters This is the joy of Christmas, that in the birth of God's one and only Son, we can experience the joy of our salvation. May this be the joy that makes this Advent Christmas season the most wonderful time of the year. Come, thou long-expected Jesus born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the giving of your one and only Son this Christmas. Help us then to rejoice to experience the joy of Christmas because we in him we experience the joy of our salvation. The most wonderful time of the year indeed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.